Hey, this is Venus Vendetta, your favorite sometimes retired and sometimes not retired AZDD bank track veteran, and you're listening to Out From Under the Bed, a Meowder Limits production. Sammy. Hey, how's it going? Is my audio okay? Yeah. Sounds all right. Sounds Fantastic. good. All right. Awesome. So you're not very familiar with the show, so this is the part where I just roll into the um, introductions, so we will get to your interview in just a second. Good evening, everybody. This is your host, The Boogeyman, joined by my beautiful wife and co-host, Master Sedator. Pew, pew. And tonight, <laughs> you are listening to an edition of Out From Under the Bed with Sammy Dangerfield. So, <laughs> this is a cat that I don't know very well or at all, but I saw him skate at the Roller Rage tournament and I was like, this fucking guy is really goddamn impressive. So I'm going to have to get him on the show. And then looking at his Facebook feed, I found him to be a little bit more, way more interesting of a character than somebody I just saw skating roller derby real good on TV. So, Sammy, how are you tonight? I'm fantastic. I got a cat on my lap, my uh, little Sphinx cat. I love naked cats. He's turning 10 tomorrow. So I'm very happy to be snuggling my kitty, enjoying a glass of wine, and just got back from uh, crushing it in the weight room. So (laughs) getting ready, uh, getting ready for uh, everybody to look at me from behind with my hair and think I'm the hot chick in yoga pants and <laughs> turn around and freak him out with my mustache. <laughs> oh, my God. I can totally attest to that. I used to have really long hair. And the times I used to be mistaken by for a woman because I'm a small-framed man was uh, countless. Yeah, I've had the locks. I get catcalled all the time in New York City from behind because I got that skater booty. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, and so, I've been androgynous. I've done drag and stuff in the past. So, yeah, it's it's oh, fun. Dude. It's fun freaking out the freaks. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to have a good time. <laughs> I've been stalking some of your photographs, and I'm like, oh, this dude is so cool. I got to be this man's friend. So did you oh, skate? Yeah. Thank you so much for the invite. Oh no, no worries. Um, did you skate prior to joining roller derby? Um, I skated for a little bit. I uh, originally, I mean, I've known how to ice skate since I was two year old. Two years old. My parents just dropped me on Lake Michigan, negative temperatures, and just let me keep keep falling over till I cried and learned how to do it. And, you know, I'm so old that the ponds used to freeze over. So I played like pond hockey as a kid. But uh, I really got into quad roller skating, actually, um, when I met the Black Rock Roller Disco in Golden Gate Park and also at Burning Man. And actually at Burning Man was the first time I ever saw a roller derby game. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to do this. <laughs> and uh, what but, year was that uh, when you yeah. when you saw roller derby at uh, Burning Man? Yeah, they did it on the playa. Uh, and there's something called the Black Rock Roller Disco, where a uh, camp that's largely San Francisco-based that's made up of the skate community largely from San Francisco, where I used to live, just brings out speakers and a hardwood floor and throws a freaking roller disco at Burning Man. 
So I was originally a disco skater. My friends took me out to play disc golf and like nobody was throwing the disc back. So I was like, this sucks. And I heard uh, this disco music on. So I walked towards it and all of a sudden I saw people of all these different like ages and colors and creeds and backgrounds just all getting down to the disco jam. So I bummed a pair of squad quad skates from a dude. He ended up selling to me for 50 bucks and I started skating every damn day. And uh, from there, the addiction started. I was maybe 20, 21 years old, and that was about 15 years ago. So that's where it all got started. What kind of skates did he sell you? Uh, they were pretty nice, actually. They were like a nice <laughs> uh, like leather Riedel boot with a sure grip plate, probably from like early 90s, late 80s. But it did the trick. Uh, I'll tell you all a secret. It's not the skates. It's the skater. So, well, you oh, know, yeah, I'd roll absolutely. out there with socks and Cheerios if I had to and could probably <laughs> still shred. <laughs> but, yeah, then from there, I started getting into entertainment because I was working as a uh, DJ and um, and in the performance world as a stand-up comedian and also in the drag world. So from there, I started doing go-go dancing routines, after-hours clubs, DJing on skates. And then after seeing that derby game at Burning Man, I was like, oh, man, I wanted to do this. And at the time, the only derby I knew about was old school with the uh, Bay City Bombers, like the old, old school league. So I played uh, co-ed with that on the bank track, you know, where... The first practice was kind of like dodgeball, the movie where they like threw chairs at your feet and they're like, you can dodge a chair, you can play roller derby. And there were some massive legends who ghost me, Miss Georgia Haas, Tony Trujillo, um, just mega legends. Very grateful that when I actually played derby for the first time, it was on my... I think 23rd birthday at Kizar Pavilion with the Bay City Bombers. Um, and I got paid 75 bucks about. And, uh, and uh, you know, if anybody wants to pay me more than that, I'll join your team. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you would say I'm talking to a bona fide fucking professional roller derby athlete on this interview, yes? Yeah, I've been paid to play roller derby twice. <laughs> but I've also awesome. been a uh, professional skater. I've been paid to roller skate every year since 2009. So, yeah, I, I am uh, pretty much Tony Hawk pro skater, except on quads with uh, probably thousands of times less money. <laughs> <laughs> and a ramp at your uh, house. Yeah, no, I, I live in a New York City apartment. Uh, the only ramps I use are uh, for BDSM purposes. <laughs> oh, awesome. So when you first started skating roller derby, that was uh, in San Francisco? Yeah, with the SF Bay Bombers, it was at the Calvello Cup in uh, 2010, named after an absolute legend in uh, Ann Calvello. Uh, unfortunately, that league fell kind of under hard times, and uh, my life kind of fell into harder times around then. And I didn't know anything about the WFTDA or MARDA or uh, AR, you know, um, any of the made or any of the current rule sets. So that was just like what I thought roller derby was. So um, at the time that winter, I was uh, in recovery. I had uh, some some issues. I was assaulted and and 
was uh, getting through some opiate addiction. So I went home to get clean from that. And I got into a dance battle at a disco party with this dude. And he was like, I was like, who is this honky that can step with me? And it ended up being Jonathan R., the captain of the New York Shock Exchange. And I mean, we had like an epic dance battle. A guy bought me a drink and invited me to uh, MRDA practice with the Shock Exchange the very next day. And at the time, I was a junkie. I was about 125 pounds. Uh, I'm like 160 now. So imagine me minus 25% of me. And I got my ass handed to me, but I loved it. I'm I am a total masochist. So after that, knowing that I could play roller derby on a flat track anywhere at the highest level of the sport, I just got hooked. And as soon as I uh, was like clean, I moved to New York City to compete with the New York Shock Exchange, went to physical therapy school. And one year later, we were the first ever men's roller derby association champions. So, so were you roller derby seriously saved my life from addiction and and gave me a purpose and a place to skate and I'll always be grateful to uh, Jonathan Rocky and all of the original New York Shock Exchange and all the founding members of the Men's Derby Coalition and Men's Roller Derby Association and all of the WIFTA skaters who remade the rule set and turned it in a game that anybody can play anywhere. I just have a, tr- a tremendous amount of gratitude that I want to put out there to everybody. So thank you. Well, oh, yeah. this, this, um, you can also roll this interview into, um, the, uh, sober series as well. Um, I do have a series called the sober series featuring, uh, athletes, who have stayed away from addictions or have kicked addictions through roller derby, vert skating, or what have you. Because myself, I'm 10 years sober uh, off of uh, alcohol. And without, Hey, congratulations. That's that's a massive accomplishment. Without roller derby, I'd probably, I wouldn't have the things I have because that helped me stop drinking. Well, yeah, I'm super stoked for you, and well, it's been a tremendous thing for everybody out there. So, uh, yeah. Uh, hell yeah. So <laughs> Power to everybody who's gone through it and is might still be going through it. We're, we're all out there for you. Oh, absolutely, my friend. So after this epic dance battle, you went to a, a New York Shock Exchange practice. So... Knowing how to skate and showing up to that, were you were you nervous at all? Oh wait, never mind. Let's get back. Let's go back to that one. Those. Let's let's go here. How long? (laughs) How long did you have have those magical things before you uh, upgraded? Uh, yeah, actually, so I had those, but then when I started skating with the Bay City Bombers, I used to do stand up comedy at this club called the Brainwash. It's right across from where uh, Patty Hearst was kidnapped and quote-unquote brainwashed. Uh, a lot of open mic legends and uh, now like really famous stand-up comedians uh, work there with me. Um, and this like kind of homeless dude, how, uh, unhomed person, I wish I knew the PC way of saying that, uh, sold me a pair of low top Redell's 265s that were probably stolen from somebody's storage <laughs> unit. Oh. 
but at the same time, I was doing a lot of questionable things with my life. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, dude, I will take those off your hands for another uh, 50 bucks. So I actually got these Redell 265s that I was rolling on uh, and- when I started with Shock and my first uh, bout with the Bay City Bombers, and I still have those. Oh, but- right. Did you ever upgrade the plate? Uh, no, I had a like decent plate. And like I said, I've never been a gear nut. I'm like, uh, it's, it's not the skates. It's the skater. I will defend that to the end of my days. I mean, I've been clowned by a dude on your mom's name, seahorses forever. Who <laughs> went out and just crushed us in rental skates. So <laughs> if that's not proof, it's the skates, not the skater. That dude was out there clowning on like top level MRDA teams in in rental skates. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so back to that first kind of practice question with the um with the shock exchange, going from having chairs at your feet thrown at your feet practice to a shock exchange practice was that kind of nerve wracking for you? Ah. <clears throat> uh... I wasn't nervous, but I was also showing up like without any physical fitness, pretty much like a skeleton. Um, uh, You know, I thought I was hot shit because I was like, you know, this glam rock disco skater. And I got my ass handed to me over and over. I remember they had to institute an underwear policy because I showed up in like silver lame shorts with my nuts hanging out. (laughs) I just put like a big target on my back. (laughs) Everybody just wanted to fucking beat up on the new boy who thought he was hot shit. And (laughs) they were right. I wasn't shit. I didn't make the team. I think my first three tryouts but um, eventually, by the end of 2011, I rebuilt my body. Uh, I, I, was, I finally kicked dope with uh, the help of an intervention, some friends, some methadone I bought off the street and got my life and body back together, made the team. And I was on the charter for the first ever MRDA championships. And then from there. Um, nothing was was gonna get between me and skating and that that group of people even though they ground me and beat me to the pulp they were always there for me no matter what so very grateful especially to my teammate uh filthy mcnasty who was a hell of a character and uh kicked the freaking black tar (laughs) out of my veins every day Oh, his I green tights, and he was a big dude, so like his ass was about face height. And anytime I tried going around the apex on him, that guy would freaking crush me. And we're still good buds. I love that guy. Uh, he's since retired for the sport and doing wonderful things, going into nursing now. So yeah, oh, that's so love and respect to uh, the the OG shock homies and the OG MRDA players. So there was more than enough dudes like after after you what I would consider a comeback. um, There was probably more than enough guys on that roster because I've been around since like 2011 and the shock exchange has always been a team that I'm like, man, those fuckers are hard. I used to watch YouTube videos 
And uh, I would be like, dude, those guys are super tough. So um, <clears throat> were you drafted to a uh, – was there um, any home teams? Other yeah, than- we had a home team. Uh, we eventually got big enough that uh, we had an A team and a B team. So I started out with the Dow Jones average, which was a freaking amazing name for B yep. team. Uh, played up like in Montreal – where they were still allowed to build pyramids on the side of the track, where nice. you know, with Pab's blue ribbons, so somebody would like try and line you up around the outside and just knock <laughs> you through like a giant pyramid of PBRs. So they um, uh, they showed us a wonderful time, and I had the mega hots for a couple of skaters <laughs> up in Canada. So I loved going up there. um so yeah that was a great time and then eventually our league got big enough that we're able to expand to three home teams uh the coney island freak show the greenwich villains and then i'm of course part of the union squares who have famously never lost a game fuck yeah so so we never lost as a home team it was me abe drinking jeffrey filthy mcnasty Ladies Night, Jimmy Rage, um, Glamour Guts, Slim Jim. We were just, we were the best home team. Um, We were never the most talented, but we played together and squares are sharp. So, yeah, that's awesome. I still, I actually meet up in Union Square Wednesday nights from April to October. Shout out to anybody in New York City who wants to skate. 8 p.m. at Union Square. Uh, and we do a big street skating loop of the city. So I love wearing my Union Squares jersey while I skate around Union Square. I always take <laughs> pictures of And um, now that I am friends with you on Facebook, until my wife and I get to New York, we will vicariously live through you on these uh, nighttime New York City skates. Hey, come on out anytime. You're welcome here. I wish I had a bigger apartment, but I can put you all up. Yeah, one of my <laughs> dreams. One of my dreams in life is to uh, skate New York City on one of those because I've been following along with it, it, like in some New York City skate group or whatever. Like, oh, it's fantastic! And I would see all these videos and shit, and I'm like, man, that looks like so much fun. I gotta go do that. Um, it's fantastic, you- and it's only gone bitter bigger since the pandemic. Now we're back up into uh, like hundreds of people every wednesday night so we take over you know at least a single lane of traffic it's way safer and the people who do it like they're really good about scouting out like where they laid down fresh starmac so they try and give you stuff that's like you know glass yeah i was about to ask that like is there some sort of like scouting involved or like i think so i'm not that involved with it but i can just tell you they do a great job at uh usually whenever there's fresh pavement that's out everybody talks to each other and we make sure we shred it but i love street skating that and the san francisco friday night skate uh if anybody listening hasn't done that and is out there um they are exceptional skating experiences with just such a friendly and accepting community of all backgrounds you just need to be a you know decently strong skater to be able to skate 10 or 15 miles and be able to stop um going down hills so um yeah don't be like me when you're starting out going skating with no toe stops and 
having to decide if you're going to dive into the truck that's coming through the intersection or a pricker bush on the side of the road. <laughs> My that'll, uh, that'll teach you how to learn how to stop pretty quickly. <laughs> well, that was, that was part of my uh, skating training regiment when I was teaching myself. Cause I had no idea how to skate when I, when I started and I was like, well, if I can like plow stop before I roll into the street, I can plow stop. Yeah, there you go. Or like if I can plow stop going down this parking garage, I could do it on a roller derby track. So it was kind of like a trial by fire is what I called it. Because I would eat so much shit doing it. But hey, it got pretty good at plow stops. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, when that's you... how I learned how to jump the apex by freaking jumping over shopping carts. <laughs> Whoa, damn, bro. Awesome. Yeah. When you played that first flat track game after you uh, made it on to uh, that home team, what was that like? Oh, it was just a blast. I was still kind of clowning around a lot because um, that's just my personality. I remember somebody had an inflatable shark blimp. So we were the shock exchange. So we, I was like bumping it at people and calling our team the shark exchange and <laughs> saying things like, kelp me, kelp me. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit confusing, but we had really good <laughs> veteran leadership on shock. Um, especially Jonathan R filthy McNasty, um, R.J. Wyatt, the artist formerly known as uh, Abe Drinkin, especially, was where they were incredible mentors and coaches to me, as well as uh, Maul and Brando. Um, so, yeah, our first home team's game, you know, we were the squares, so we didn't lose. Um, and then my first MRDA action ever, um, uh, they just put me out as a blocker and I didn't give up a single point because I was on the same line as a bunch of like massive legends. And it wasn't like I didn't know how to skate. It was just uh, I didn't really know the rules yet. So having people who are really good at the rules and just being like, stay on my hip, follow me, listen to me. It all just worked out. And after like, Year one, I was just ready to be a freaking ass-kicking machine. And now as a uh, as now a veteran skater, yourself and uh, you and me both, um, when you have newer players that are either scrimmaging for the first time or what, um, or, you know, bouting for the first time or what have you, what kind of joy does that bring you? Uh, it brings me a lot of joy just to see people getting back into the game. Um, you know, especially going around the world and coaching people that are like really green and new to the game with shock. We went around the, the world and coached in the UK. Uh, at that time I had a broken leg, so I couldn't keep up with a lot of our tour schedule. So I actually went off and went to Ireland and coached like even greener leagues there and still have tons of, wonderful friends and connections that went on to found like all Ireland men's derby. So yeah, that's really meaningful. I've coached in, in places like, uh, like Israel and Ireland and Puerto Rico, where they don't have a lot of high level skating and knowledge and coaching. So I'm really trying to pay it forward. Cause 
I came into the game knowing just about nothing and had so much fun with it and just want to pass that along forward. Oh, yeah. I'm not like uh, like trying to chase metal and, you know, win the world title anymore. I got a gold, silver, and two bronze at MRDA Champs. I want to have a good time and spread goodwill to the, the sport and people who want to skate and ultimately just have a fun time out there on the track. Oh, yeah, I like that answer. Um, so with all these all these awesome men's derby names, female derby names, derby names in general, what's the genesis of yours? And what's the genesis or what's the meaning behind your number? Uh, so it's Sammy Dangerfield, zero respect. No respect at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So back in the day, you could have words under your name. So it was originally zero respect uh, to complete the Dangerfield joke. Yeah, but, uh, Dangerfield was a little too long to yell on the track. And most people, um, there are a lot of people's names who end in like E sounds. So people on my team just started calling me D's because I was trying to bring back like, uh, hey, man, like uh, you want uh, do you want two CDs? He's nuts. <laughs> so yeah, sometime in my shock career, I just made a decision to try and like sneak up with people on D's with D's nuts jokes, and we all just started like doing it to each other. <laughs> so eventually, my teammates just started calling me D's, <laughs> oh, okay. so and it's like a nice, um, nice way to uh shorten danger field to sammy d's so yeah i've always signed my my signature as uh sammy d's and i've now kind of adopted it as my uh stage name as well because i do some unsavory things and i uh would prefer that the name that's out there on social media does not uh conflict with the one that's on my medical license well, that makes a lot of sense. People don't need to know that their doctor is, uh, you know, out there with his tits out. <laughs> so leading up to game day, do you have any uh, pregame um, routines or rituals? Uh, I can't say that I have any real pregame rituals, to be honest. I wish I could tell you, like, you know, I do Santeria and, like, I sacrifice a rubber chicken or something. But I just try and make sure that I'm physically fit. Um, I make sure I stretch a lot out on track. Um, in order to intimidate people, like, I just try and be friendly and kill them with kindness kind of like just smile at people and uh, look at them like I'm going to eat their soul like a deranged clown. But um, and then just visualizing mentally what it feels like to get through the pack and be successful or to shut down a jammer. If I'm blocking, I'm a tube weight player, but I don't get too much into the mental head games and stuff. I think uh, your preparation and work on track will will speak for itself. I'm not like a big shit talker, but I do like keeping it light and cracking jokes with my teammates and opponents. But yeah, I, I'm not really uh, the type of person who uh, thinks it makes a big difference if like you don't talk to your opponents or like eat a raw chicken before every meal, like Wade Boggs or something like that. It's just, <laughs> 
just a matter of making sure that I'm not such a schmuck that I miss first whistle, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so Roller Rage, I mentioned at the beginning, I had several comments here with my wife about your, uh, about your play during that game. How was that experience for you playing in the uh, playing in that tournament? That was so much fun. There was so much talent out there that it was amazing. And I was really lucky to be on Clown Down, which was easily the most fun team there. It was super loose, super fun. And we gave we had a tough schedule. We drew, I think, three of the top four teams. And, you know, it sucks that we, we had two games that we could have won, but we didn't win. But, you know, that's why we were in top four. You got to beat the teams above you if you want to be better. Not going to make any excuses, but that was awesome to play at the highest level of competition. I love that rule set. I love playing on the bank track. I wish there were more bank tracks everywhere. And I wish there was more kind of pick up derby like that that's really the type of derby that i want to be playing I'll, I'll skate anywhere like i said i'll skate with socks and cheerios in a freaking mcdonald's ball pit if you tell me there's a roller derby tournament there you know hell yeah you got <laughs> that, a good that was awesome and especially skating with like legends of the sport legends of the bank track juniors that aged up flat trackers switching it up it's awesome. Um, I wish I wish I like just kept my arms inside my jersey because I got called on a lot of like ticky tacky arm stuff. So I was like a little afraid to really hit people, especially playing against smaller women. You get called on impact a lot. So I think our team probably could have went three and one if I didn't take so many penalties. But, you know, you burn, you learn. <laughs> but and I'm just so grateful to have met y'all and made so many new friends in the sport and got got to play that rule set. I can't wait to do it again. It's really a bummer that Philly lost their uh, practice space with the bank track because actually a lot of my original coaches with the Bay City Bombers have a connection with uh, Penn Jersey Roller Derby like Tony Trujillo and uh and calvello they're a wonderful super positive super fun league and there aren't so many bank tracks really left so for a historic organization like them now lose your bank track it's just a kick in the dick yeah for sure i i was familiar with a lot of the names on the clown town roster and being pulled being pulled for um cal squad and then when the rosters were given I was like, hell yeah, I want to compete against that against that roster because there was a lot of familiar names on it. I didn't, you know, didn't quite recognize yours, but like I said, I saw it on TV, just super bummed with COVID and not being able to play against you. I was like, man, that dude seems really competitive. I'd like to mix it up sometime. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty competitive, but I'm mostly just playing to have a good time at, at this point, you know. Um, but, yeah, I do like playing against the highest level competition, and, and that tournament was uh, certainly that, especially when, you know, you're blocking against people like uh, – like Rollamite, and what I really love seeing was um, a lot of ass 
had a number of Team Mexico skaters. Yep. And they've been one of my favorite teams in the World Cup, uh, watching them develop. Carla Fu and his brother uh, Pablo. Poblex are both like staples of the Team Mexico team. Um, and they both um, came over from Mexico City while they were living here and skated with Shock Exchange. And I'm Latino. I'm a uh, first-generation American. My father's from Cuba. So I've been trying to do whatever I can to be supportive of Pan Latino Roller Derby. I guess it's Latinx. We can talk about that. Latinx is like a weird term that I don't particularly like because it's white people using an unpronounceable consonant in our own language. But aside from that, <laughs> um, uh, I'm a huge fan of, of supporting Pan Latino Roller Derby. Um, across the Americas, so watching a bunch of uh, Team Mexico skaters specifically just freaking take it to everybody. Um, you know, Party Boy and Herrera and all his cats, Naked Alien. It was awesome to get out there and crush it. But it was also pretty nice to take it to them. I got lead every jam against them. I got shut down a lot by people who played better bank track strategy, but I was like... Happy that I was able to freaking put some points on the board against a bunch of legends and leave there with none of my limbs broken because those <laughs> people hit hard. Yeah, Definitely yeah. glad we caught them the first game and not the last game before they uh, learned the rules because I would have had my rectum handed back to me in a jar. <laughs> yeah, I saw you get tangled up in the uh, in between the kick plate and the rail there, or the uh, post. Yeah, market. I don't know what happened there, but uh, um, uh, glad I'm flexible enough to, <laughs> to pull stupid yeah, stuff was... off like that. Yeah, that was it's wild. I'm no stranger to doing stupid stuff like that on the rail because when I was playing bank track, like I I learned how to flip over rails and fall and jump Take through rails and like create a spectacle doing stuff on the rails. There's there's a lot of uh, similarities to what Macho Man Randy Savage was doing out there. Um, I'm not going to kind of ruin old school bank track to all the old school listeners. But yeah, that style of derby has a lot more in common with uh, what Macho Man Randy Savage and the Iron Sheik was doing. So I love that old school stuff, flipping over rails, giving leg whips, razzle dazzle, stuff <laughs> like that. But yeah, that actually happened. So I'm lucky. I've I've seen people split their shins in half on rails like that. So that yeah, was uh, that was that was better than uh, coming uh, at least a dozen orgasms, not breaking my tibia in half on that. But I'll give myself credit for uh, for you know I've played this sport for 13 years and uh, I've never had a major injury. My only major injury that I've suffered in the sport was because I uh, slid down a railing and sprained my ankle, and it was MRDA champs, so I went and skated on a sprained ankle, and it fractured, and I still scored 15 points at murder champs on a fractured leg, so fucking, fucking try and stop me. <laughs> now that I'm a professional sports med doctor, I would never try anything that dumb and reckless again and um 
I would, I would never, uh, now that I've matured, I would never take away playing time from a talented teammate like that and disrespect them. I would trust my teammates to do a good job in that place. But, uh, yeah, my second MRDA champs, I just really wanted to go out and take it to anybody. And I didn't care if you had to freaking hold my leg together with scotch tape. Uh, you know, I just wanted to, to battle for shock because they were there for me at my lowest. And I, I feel like I let the team down by getting hurt off the track before that tournament. You know, it's funny. You can win everything you want, but like there are two things that I would recommend. Number one, don't get hurt off the track. And number two, don't come in fourth place. <laughs> Just don't <laughs> like, in anything like like come in fifth, come in last, win a medal. Just don't come in fourth place. Texas beat us for the bronze medal last year. Uh, not last year, way back when, probably when the MRDA was at its like most talented. And I don't think about any of our triumphs, but every day it just boils my blood that we came in fourth that one year. So that's my voice. Don't come in fourth in anything. <laughs> Here we came in like ninth at Wales. It was awesome. We got a castle and we were just happy to be there. We were playing with nine people. It was amazing. Oh shit, yeah. But yeah, getting that that close to glory, not fun. So that's my life advice. Don't come in fourth place at anything. <laughs> if you're gonna come in fourth, slow down and come in fifth or speed up and come in third. <laughs> Was that your first first time at the legendary Hall of Dames? Uh, that was my first time out there at the Hall of Dames. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I'd previously been to um, to the um, the dollhouse, I think it's called, in L.A., and I'd been to the uh, facility in Austin and at Penn Jersey and in san diego which i think are most of the permanent bank tracks in this country if i'm not mistaken so now i've uh, seen on them all i've seen them all i haven't gotten a chance to skate in la or texas if they start playing more all gender i'd love the opportunity oh same here. yeah it's awesome i remember because with the bombers we had a track but we'd have to set up the track and ship it and build it so it was almost like carny folk uh, taking care of it and that just wasn't a sustainable thing which is why i think um ever since that bout they haven't really uh been active as a league because of the financial and logistical concerns with that sounds like a nightmare yeah i mean the rent is too damn high. <laughs> That's the main thing. Yeah. Even Gotham Girls and New York Shock Exchange in New York City, um, you know, we don't have a full-time skating facility, which is why I'm skating with uh, the Philadelphia Hooligans in the MRDA right now because that's the closest league. And, you know, I still got a lot of good years in me, and uh, they were awesome to battle on the track um when the hooligans first played us i think we beat them something like 700 to 5 and maybe eight years later they beat us fair and square um you know they they made up 700 points on us and handed our asses to us in the finals at uh mohawk Ooh. valley cup so i have nothing but uh love and respect for that league and i'm very happy to be uh accepted with some new teammates and you know I'm not really a dick bag, so I think I should be able to get along with 
just about anybody in the MRDA. I don't really have a bad, bad blood or ill will to anybody in this sport. They're you know, a racist, uh, homophobic, misogynist piece of shit. Then <laughs> we're probably cool. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the opinions expressed on this podcast are uh, not of any leagues or what have you. There's the hosts or the guests are associated with. I believe that COVID, this is only my opinion, brought out the worst in a lot of people that I had a lot of respect for and um, within the community. And I was really surprised there was so many misogynists and homophobes within the community of roller derby. Um, So I don't know. I was kind of blown away by that. But yeah, so. Those are the kind yeah, of people it's that disappointing. I'm it's back. disappointing, but you know, people can change. So I'm just gonna continue to try and kill them with kindness because uh, uh, I can't pay the legal fees to be throwing Molotovs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you mentioned you're a two-way player earlier. What are these two positions you uh, prefer playing, and why would you play? Uh, I mean, I've. I blocked and jammed um, for an MRDA uh, medal winning team throughout my career. So um, like in our game against Southern Discomfort, which if you want to look it up, uh, us versus Southern Discomfort is just like trench warfare at MRDA championships one year. If you want to see just a brutal, hard hitting trench warfare game um, during that tournament, I think that was about as strong as the MRDA has ever been. There were maybe four teams that five teams that could have easily won the MRDA title between Southern Discomfort, Texas, your moms, St. Louis, and and us. That was just a brutal game. But um, because I'm really quick line to line, so I played largely kind of like as a safety position because I'm not the biggest guy as a blocker. And I skate marathons for endurance. So uh, two of our jammer, our, our lead blockers, Malcolm Sachs and Abe Drinken, now RJ Wyatt, fouled out in the second half. So I played every single jam in the second half and blocked like something like 35 jams that game. <laughs> and then uh, when Jonathan R., freaking greatest jammer in MRDA history, got hurt, I um, – I moved in the jammer rotation, was a primary jammer for shock exchange. But um, I was kind of used my whole career as a Swiss Army knife because I had good endurance and I've been a pretty darn effective jammer at the uh, MRDA level. It's like I'm, uh, you know, not like an all world blocker, not an all world jammer, but I'm like an eight and a half out of 10 at both. So uh, I, I think I can really freaking help out a team i can block every jam and i can jam every other so i'm i'm not afraid of anybody um and i love when people kick the the kiss so i just jump up and get an adrenaline rush and i'm just gonna come at you harder the harder you hit me (laughs) so yeah yeah. i i practice and played both because it was so competitive just for a roster spot on the shock exchange when we were at our best that I just learned how to do both to just make sure that I could help our team win in any way. Um, 
But yeah, now I'm, uh, you know, it's great to win. And I, there's no bigger rush than being in a really tight, high level roller derby game. And that's like a rush that I'm ever forever going to be chasing. You know, I hope I end up in that position again. But yeah, freaking bring it on, whatever it is. Like I said, I'll block, I'll jam, I'll wear socks and Cheerios. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I always say the uh, the secret to being in there every jam is having the ability to skate a marathon. I have gotten several of those under my belt, and I totally know what you mean because you're not sucking wind if you can snap off an ultra. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's do it. You know, there's uh, 24 hours of roller Le Mans if you're into car racing, and uh, this nut that I skate with, he's a great guy. Name is uh, Sonic Arnav Shaw, and uh, he he finished on the podium in a 24-hour race. And I, he's like a legend in New York City with a Wednesday night skate. So I'm actually thinking about uh, training for the 24 hours of uh, Roller Le Mans one year. Maybe uh, maybe we can put together a team if uh, if we're the circuit. They, it's on the Le Mans circuit in the Circuit de la Sarthe. They're, they closed down the racetrack for skaters for a legitimate 24-hour endurance race. And where's this held at? At Le Mans in France. In France. Oh, shit. I mean, That's it's hard to get there, but it's also hard to train and complete, but... Yeah, that's uh, one day I'd like to get there. I don't know if my body will hold up. I got a, I have a labrum tear in my hip from, you know, 13 years of derby. But if I could put together even a relay team to compete in that, that would be amazing. That um, would be pretty cool. One of my dreams is to skate a, uh, to roller skate an Ironman distance. <laughs> yeah, just don't try swimming with them, bro. No, just the distance. <laughs> Just the Ironman distance, like the 1.4 kilometers or whatever it is, like the oh, yeah. four miles. Yeah. So that's what I mean. That's definitely that doable. Far. If you come oh, yeah. to New York City, you might be able to do that with the uh, Empire Club. Just a lot of them are on blades and those are, you know, a little bit faster, but it's definitely doable. Yeah. So I just you can do dream it. it. You can do it, baby. I encourage you. Just might not be the best to do in Arizona with the uh, heat there. I hear it's a dry heat out there. Yeah, I, what, I used to, um, back back when I would skate outside a lot, well, I would commute in my skate, so I really had no other choice because I didn't have a car, and waiting for the bus and the heat sucked, so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to skate. And it was 115, it didn't matter. I was out there rolling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, let me know if you're doing any uh, marathons. Uh, we... Uh have the New York city inline and quad marathon, usually in September. Um, usually around that time of year, I go to Europe for skate love Barcelona. It's like the largest outdoor dance roller skating festival in the world. I so sadly I've had to uh, miss that. But yeah, in the past uh, it's a phenomenal event and I was going to skate the uh, Florida inline marathon on quads last year. I was but it got canceled for the hurricane. But uh, yeah, in addition to a full season of uh, MRDA this year, um, I'm also going to be looking to compete 
top level of uh, quad skating just because, uh, you know, having goals like that, especially as a physical therapist and fitness professional and substance abuse and addiction problems in my life, having goals like that uh, just helps keep me focused and clean and, and the best version of myself. Get into of uh, contact sports. I think it cut off. Hey, how's it going? Yo, yo. Hello. All right, so I left off with um. Did did your choice of the medical field have anything to do with that context? Um, indirectly. Uh, I was actually assaulted in my early twenties, and I was also part of a uh, construction. So, um, I had my skull fractured. I had my jaw for three months and then I had completely reconstructed with, uh, cadaver bone grafts and new tendons and stuff, which initially led to me getting addicted to opiates. And after the surgeries, I was just totally wrecked and, uh, therapist, physical and occupational that, uh, helped me journey um were just incredible so that kind of pushed me towards that but i think part of it is also just like genetics and how i was raised i'm still working professionally as a dancer my mother is a professional dancer ran her own studio dance um in some pretty impressive modern companies and my brother and my father are both physicians so some ways i guess you just can't like escape who you are and and um you know my family's been wonderful and super supportive of me in a lot of ways so i think just part of me ending up there is 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 kind of due to their good guidance part of it is due to unfortunate circumstances and part of it is not wanting me to be an exploitative capitalist uh piece of shit who creates like some app that does nothing for anybody or being like some leech of a capitalist, you know, to do <laughs> some good, meaningful work. That's like not behind a desk. That's actually one-to-one -one with people. It's a combination of, all that. But, yeah. yeah, I dig it. I'm in center field for the Yankees. Turns out I couldn't hit and I couldn't field. So I had to find something else. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned a lot of things you do outside of roller derby. You dance, you do drag, you do this, you do that. What what other 
I mean, tell me more about that. How'd you get into all that? You just been a performer your whole thing? Like, I mean, I'm. So, um, I've been performing for a while. Um, I won a stand-up comedy college. So I initially preferred the stand-up comedy route, but I told you how I encountered roller skating and it turned out, um, being a roller skater paid a lot better than being a middling comedian and having uh, drinks thrown at me at people who'd rather be watching Monday night football. So that was part of it. In college, I was the general manager of the college radio station, so I always had a passion for music. Uh, DJ Disco Vinyl, which got me, you know, into doing some cool nightclub. That, and I was really into crazy experimental music too. I went to Burning Man and had uh, like. 12 to 6 a.m. avant-garde um, radio show. Um, I put out a limited album with somebody who went on to like write for the... I don't know, growing up in like the suburbs when like mainstream culture was like the freaking Backstreet Boys and my first day of high school was 9-11. I'm like, man, like cult world is fucked so <laughs> trying to find any alternative outlet that actually had meaningful community was difficult and once i and the community was there for me it's really about the community. that's so cool um do you have any you like to share with us or but is that long gone any stand-up material <laughs> no, I'm not gonna throw a drink at you. I promise. Yeah, I got a couple of good ones. Uh, this was. Uh, I told my style. She said, "Prove it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a cold one. I like man. that. Uh, I like that old kind of like Borscht Belt self-deprecating comedy. So yeah, that that one is a definite hot tip to uh, Mr. <laughs> Dangerfield. Oh, that's awesome. Other than Sammy Dangerfield, you got any other stand-up comics you uh, admire? I love Mitch Hedberg. Um, I have a really short attention span, so he was just a legend to me growing up. I love people who just go set up punchline like bang, bang, bang. So. Rodney Dangerfield, Mitch Hadberg, Ema Phillips, and Stephen Wright. That's kind of like my Rushmore of comedy. People who just go up there and tell fucking jokes. What's your favorite dinosaur? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, probably the Lickalatopus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So you mentioned you have a hairless cat. Is that your first hairless cat? When did you fall in love with these? Uh, so when I was living in San Francisco, I dated a wonderful woman who we're still tight. She just put out a wonderful show called Roller Soul um, in New Orleans, which was originally written about me, but it's now turned into this fantastic drag extravaganza. 
Um, her name's Carolyn Hamilton, but she was instrumental, number one, in saving my life and showing me love. And number two, she adopted two Sphinx cats uh, named Piggy and Moon Jones. So when I was uh, 21, 22 years old, this skinny, crazy comedian junkie kid, uh, I got to know these two lovely Sphinx cats. So when I moved to New York City, I was living with a wonderful skater at this time as well, Sexy Slady, and we decided we wanted a cat while we were living together. I'm like, we need to get a Sphinx cat. They're just so much more affectionate and loving and crazy than other cats. So we adopted Xerxes Double Falcon, and it will be his birthday on the 16th so happy birthday xerxes and now um i'm polyamory one of my current partners has now paid it forward and adopted two more sphinx kittens oh that's uh, cool name one of them is a blind little sphinxy named batman he is the cutest snuggliest thing and another one named hotspur not named after the football team but from uh, a shakespeare character so i'm really grateful that i've been around the coolest possible cats. A lot of people are like freaked out of them because, you know, they look like walking scrotums, but they're the <laughs> sweetest things in the world. So yeah, I love Sphinx cats. That's cool. All right, well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really nice getting to chat with you and uh, get to know you a little bit. Hopefully me and you get to meet in person, either at some fresh ass skating marathon or on the uh, roller derby track. Hell yeah. And um, you get to be a part of a live read for our sponsor, Siphon Draw Apothecary. Earlier today, I used some of their pain relief stick and I have this rod in my leg because I did break my tibia and fibia. And my knee constantly aches, so I put some of this on there earlier, and it really helped out. It was warming, and um, it's got a thousand milligrams of CBD in it, shea butter, natural ingredients, no BS. Um, Colleen Dolly de los Muertos makes this herself right here in sunny Arizona. If you would like to visit Siphon Draw Apothecary, their address is 4650 North Mammoth Mine Road in Apache Junction, 85119. And if you would like to see some of their products online, you can see them at Siphon Draw Apothecary at Instagram. Do you got anything you want to promote? Any upcoming uh, roller derby games? Or um, if you would like to give out one of your handles? I just wanted to second that advertisement because I have their pain stick. Uh, they gave it to me at the Hall of Dames, and I personally use it. My hands and wrists get really sore as a physical therapist from working on people all day. And I found that in my roller derby bag, and that was a godsend. So just doubling down on that um any self-promotion no not really i'm playing with the philly hooligans this year to start the things out we're playing in pittsburgh on april 22nd if you want to come out there i'm also going to be at um summer fair uh in cleveland whenever the heck that is but uh, that is an incredible event but uh, mostly i just want to promote love in the skating community if you can make it out to new york city and do the wednesday night skate come out and skate at the roller wave in brooklyn come out to central park on saturdays or sundays 
or even make it out to Europe for Skate Love Barcelona. These are once in a lifetime opportunities and the community you'll meet um, will be forever. So yeah. And then I also wanted to shout out all my old shockers who I've forgotten to mention. Uh, Ladies Night, T-Stop Tornado, Rinkworm, Maul and Brando, Ace the Skates. I love you all. You're all champions in my book. Oh, my, <laughs> my heart. Oh, my God. All right, everybody. This is the Boogeyman and Master Sedator. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, subscribe. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple. And always, please look twice and save a life. This is us signing off, going back under the bed, but never into the closet. Thank you. Good night. Good night, Sammy. Night. Thank you. These nuts. <laughs> <laughs>